What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in this video, I'm going to be updating my rest of season rankings at every single position. So I did the same video after week one. I think I talked about how I would do it every three ish weeks. So here heading into week five, four weeks into the NFL season, going to be updating them. Um, so going through my top 36 running backs and wide receivers, and then I believe my top 18 uh, quarterbacks and tight ends also splitting these players up into tiers. So if you guys enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and let's just dive right into it. We're gonna start off at the running back position, and I feel like the running backs were probably the toughest position to rank, because I feel like once you get out of like the top five, six, seven guys, it really just becomes a free-for-all at the position. So we're gonna start it off in tier one. No surprise here, this is gonna be a one-man tier. It's Christian McCaffrey. He is clearly the most valuable fantasy running back. I don't really think any of the other options come close. There are some really strong options in tier two, but I don't think one person could make an argument for why Christian McCaffrey shouldn't be the, uh, you know, just running back one moving forward. So that's tier one. Then tier two is going to be a three-man tier with Bijan Robinson, Tony Pollard, and Austin Eckler. I think all three of these guys are really strong high-end running back ones rest of season. I know Eckler has been banged up. He's missed a few weeks in a row. He has a bye week here in uh, week five, but heading into week six, he should be healthy, good to go. I think he slides right back in as a high-end running back one. Now shifting into tier three, these are going to be like our mid-tier RB1s. This tier is going to have Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, and Jonathan Taylor. So Saquon, he's also missed some time. I'd expect him back here in week five. I know the Giants offense has been rough. The O-line is not good, but I still think Saquon's going to command a solid workload, and I still think he's going to be a nice fantasy running back one. Then Josh Jacobs, nice bounce back in week four, should have a very significant workload moving forward. Etienne and Walker, some of the younger options, both have really kind of taken control of their backfields. There was talk for both of these guys in the offseason about Tank Bigsby coming in, uh, Zach Charbonnet coming in. So far, Etienne and Walker have been able to hold those guys off. If they can continue that, they're going to be running back ones. And then the final guy in this tier is Jonathan Taylor. And I'll say that if like JT was 100% locked in, signed an extension with the Colts, he'd be probably up there with like Saquon, Josh Jacobs. I just think there's still some risk with this situation here with JT, right? Like if he plays the rest of the season with what we've seen out of Richardson, how Zach Moss has looked as the starter, like he'll be a great option, but there's still some risk of him maybe shutting it down later on in the season or something goes wrong here with his relationship with the Colts. There are some extra factors we have to consider here. So that's why he is going to be at the bottom of this tier. Now shifting into tier four, these are going to be like the back end um, running back ones and then the high end RB2s. Going to start off this tier with DeAndre Swift, really separated himself as the uh, you know clear running back one there for the Eagles. I think he lacks a little bit of the touchdown upside just because the Eagles really like going to the Jalen Hurts like QB push, you know, at the goal line. So he's going to lose some touchdowns because of that. And the Eagles also just don't have a ton of passing volume to the running backs, but he's still going to handle a really strong workload. He's going to be super efficient behind this offensive line, also with the threat of Jalen Hurts. So I think it's fair that he leads this tier. Some people may think this is high for uh, Devon Achan. Personally, I think it's fair. He's had two games where he's been involved in this backfield and he has been dominant in both of them. I think he's going to continue eating away on this committee. I still think there's going to be a split rest of season, but this is a Dolphins offense that's going to be explosive. They're going to have a lot of touchdown upside. A-chan's going to have a ton of big plays, 
and I think it's fair for him to be slotted in here as a back-end RB1. Now, you'll probably be able to trade him for a little bit less than that. Like, I bet a lot of people would take potentially some of the guys ranked after him straight up, but this is where I personally have him. And then behind A-Chan, I have Derrick Henry. I could see an argument for Henry being lower. Can't get much higher than this just because I do think there's legit concern with some game scripts where if the Titans go behind early on, he's not going to be on the field a ton. They're going to pivot to Tajay Spears, but he's still going to be that hammer in games where they're you know competitive or leading. Um, then we have Brees Hall. He's going to be a big riser. The news that he's no longer on like a snap count or a workload restriction, that is huge. Um, I think with this Jets offense looking a little bit better against the Chiefs, to kind of have a get-right game here against the Broncos, I think Brees Hall could be a very interesting option rest of season, and I wouldn't be shocked if he was an RB1 moving forward. This is something that I talked about, um, I think, a few weeks ago, but it was kind of when everyone was freaking out about Brees Hall with Zach Wilson taking over, Aaron Rodgers going down. When Brees Hall is healthy, he doesn't need to be in some perfect situation. We saw it last year, his rookie season. When Zach Wilson was quarterback, Brees Hall was still producing fine at the running back position. He has that receiving upside. He has the big playability. So I like him here as a fringe RB1. And then the final two running backs in this tier, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. Aaron Jones, just pretty consistently in this range. I think he's going to be a nice high-end weekly RB2. And then we have Alvin Kamara, and he was used way more as a workhorse than I was expecting um, in his first game back in week four. Now, I don't know if that sticks when Jamal Williams comes off of IR, right? Like they just may not be super confident in Kendra Miller, but once they have Jamal Williams back, who they were feeding early on in the season, signed in free agency, then I'd have to expect Jamal Williams finds his way back into this offense, probably going to take away a lot of the touchdown upside from Alvin Kamara, but he's still going to be super involved as a pass catcher and an RB2 rest of season. Now shifting into tier five, this is going to be a very, very large tier. And I think there are a lot of arguments for these players being switched around. There's some players in this tier that have underperformed. There's some guys that are in somewhat ambiguous situations. We're going to start it off here with David Montgomery. And I would say in the short term, Montgomery's probably in that RB1 range, right? Like week to week, his workload has been fantastic. I do think there's still some risk of him losing his workload, and that's not to say he's going to be like unplayable, but if Gibbs starts to take a carry, two carries, three carries here and there, obviously that's going to eat into David Montgomery's workload. Still like him as like a higher end RB2. Then we have Kyron Williams. People probably aren't going to like this. It's kind of interesting because after week one, I was very big on going out and uh, picking up Kyron off of waivers because he was clearly leading that backfield over Cam Akers. But since then, everyone has just gone, you know, full aboard the Kyron Williams bandwagon. And I've been a little bit hesitant. If he maintains his current role, he's going to be too low at this ranking, right? If he maintains that workhorse role, he'll be a running back one rest of season. There's just no guarantee he does it. He doesn't have the stability of having a big contract, and he also doesn't have the stability of being a high draft pick. So there's not a ton that you know would make Sean McVay and this Rams offense super invested in him. So I wouldn't be surprised if this pivoted to a committee. Maybe they bring in a free agent. I just think there are routes to him losing out on this huge workload, and that's why I have him here as like a mid-tier RB2 because there are pathways where he falls out of like RB2 territory, but there's also a path where he just maintains that role and will be a running back one rest of season. So you got to balance the uh, upside and kind of like the risk there. Then we have Ramondre Stevenson, very disappointing start to the season, and it feels weird ranking him this low. I think a lot of these guys, there's an argument that they could be ranked higher. That's why this is a pretty big tier. 
But for Ramondre, the workload has been fine. The Patriots offense just has not been good, which has led to some poor efficiency. Ramondre individually also hasn't been great. Um, his rushing yards over expected is very low. He hasn't been super explosive as a pass catcher, so mid-tier RB2 at this point. Then we have Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon is in a tough spot with the uh, Joe Burrow injury. It's really tough to rank all these Bengals weapons because pretty much all of their upside is contingent on Joe Burrow getting healthy and kind of getting back to close to 100%, and we just don't know if that's going to happen, right? Like, is this something where after the bye week, he's going to be good to go back to normal, or is he going to be playing at this level all season long? Obviously, if Joe Burrow was back to 100%, Mixon would be ranked higher here. But on that offense, if Burrow can't get right, it's not going to be pretty, even if he has a decent workload. Then we're going to have James Cook. Um, Not going to be a workhorse for the Bills, but solid weekly involvement. He is their clear RB1. He's not going to be locked into every single specific role, but he will be very involved week to week. Just a nice weekly RB2 play on one of the best offenses in the NFL. Behind him, I have Jameer Gibbs. I still like Gibbs as a running back two rest of season. I couldn't put him any higher than this. I still do like him um, long-term. I think we're just going to need to see him start to eat into this uh, backfield. I still think even with his current workload, he'll be fine as like an RB2. Like that swift roll led to high-end RB2 production. It's just going to lack that high-end upside if he can't kind of make headway on um, eating into that workload. Behind Gibbs, I have James Conner. This also feels kind of low for James Conner, who's pretty much going to be the uh, Cardinals workhorse. Obviously, he's going to be limited a little bit just by that offense, but they have looked better than expected um, early on in the season. So if you did want to go with him over Gibbs, I get it. Um, Then Brian Robinson, kind of a similar situation. Not the best offense, but he has a very solid workload. Obviously, he's completely pretty much phased out Antonio Gibson there, like him as an RB2. And then the final guy in this tier is going to be Damian Pierce. Even without receiving upside, once that O-line starts to get healthy with the way C.J. Stroud has played, the touchdown should be there, those goal line opportunities. He's handled a really strong workload on the ground, so I still think Damian Pierce kind of belongs in this tier with the rest of these running backs. Now, shifting into tier six, these are going to be like your higher-end running back threes. We're going to start it off with Raheem Mostert. I talked about how I think Devon Achan is going to be the running back one in that committee, but I still think Raheem Mostert is lined up to be the RB2 there. On this Dolphins offense, if they want to split, Raheem Mostert can maintain a solid workload. I think he's still someone that can be started as like a weekly running back too. Behind him, I have Rashad White. And through four weeks, Rashad White has actually had a really strong workload. His usage has been impressive. His snap share, route participation, all of those things have been great. The problem is that the fantasy production hasn't really been there. And he also hasn't been great individually. So it's good that he has that workload but if he's not really capitalizing on it, is that workload going to stay long-term? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, If he was playing better on that workload, he would be up there with those tier five guys, but right now he's going to be in tier six. Um, Also in tier six, Isaiah Pacheco really kind of separated himself in that Chiefs backfield. I think he's still a little bit limited, lacking that receiving upside, and then also lacking the red zone looks just because they really like to throw the ball near the goal line. They get Jerick McKinnon in there. CEH will filter in. So that's why he's like a higher end RB3. And then wrapping up this tier with Miles Sanders, if Sanders was healthy, he'd probably be in that tier five area, but he's in this weird spot where he's either going to be limited and his workload is going to be capped, or maybe he misses a few games, which would obviously 
um, kind of ding his rest of season value. And then the final tier here, tier seven, going to kind of just fly through these guys. Jerome Ford, probably leading this uh, Browns committee, but it is going to be a committee. Javante Williams, the hip injury doesn't help him um, because you'd like to see him start to build throughout the season. Now you have McLaughlin coming in, potentially earning some touches. Zach Moss may seem higher than you think. For me, it's just that he's already established himself where if Jonathan Taylor is not playing right, there are routes to Jonathan Taylor not playing in certain games. Potentially something happens before he steps on the field in week five. Maybe he gets traded. Um, Maybe he sits out towards the end. If JT is not playing, Moss becomes a fringe RB1 weekly, and he already has that handcuff value if JT goes down. But there are also all those other factors that could lead to him getting some opportunities. Uh, Behind him, Alexander Madison... Vikings backfield probably devolving into a split with Cam Akers, but he's still the leader at this point. Then back-to-back Steelers running backs, Najee and Warren, full-on split here on a bad offense, not a great look. And then back-to-back Bears running backs, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson. Khalil Herbert, people may think he's higher. For me, I'm just not super confident that week four usage is going to stick. I think they might have just gone ahead early and just kind of rode the hot hand. I still think Roshan Johnson could end up leading this backfield um, towards the end of the season. So those are going to be the running backs. Now pivoting over to the wide receiver position, got a pretty big tier one here. It's going to be Jefferson, Hill, Diggs, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Amon Ross St. Brown, AJ Brown, Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, and those are going to be the top 10 in tier one. Don't think there's anything crazy here. Jefferson and Hill are most people's top two. I probably am pretty high on Keenan Allen, but I mean, he's just going to be a volume machine with Mike Williams out. Herbert has looked solid, obviously now dealing with that finger injury, but he should be fine. Keenan Allen's going to command a ton of volume. He's shown some touchdown upside so far, so I like him here. Um, Jamar Chase, obviously, you know, this is a weird spot where if Burrow doesn't get right, then maybe you'd move him behind Amon Ross St. Brown, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup. Um, but if Joe Burrow does get right, then he's probably up there competing with Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. So kind of like a mid-tier ranking. Um, and then Cooper Cup, I think a healthy Cooper Cup, you know, what we've seen in the last two years, he would be up there with Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. I just think there is risk of re-injury. We'll see what this offense looks like now with Puka breaking out. I still think Cup is going to be a wide receiver one, but does he have that, you know, elite 22 plus point per game upside? That still remains to be seen here. Now, shifting into tier two, we're going to have Olave, Waddle, Devonta Smith, Calvin Ridley, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. So really like Chris Olave. Um, I think in a better situation, better passing attack, he could be a tier one guy. The Saints offense, especially the passing attack, has just been a little bit underwhelming with Derek Carr. Still can support him as a wide receiver one, but I don't know if he has that elite upside. Jalen Waddle has been pretty disappointing through four weeks, but with what we've seen out of Tua, this Dolphins offense, I think he's going to be much better moving forward. Uh, Devonta Smith, this is pretty much where I had him heading into the season. Not a ton has changed. I think A.J. Brown has kind of, you know, made that stamp that he is still the wide receiver one there. I know some people were questioning that early on in the season, but Devonta Smith, very solid fantasy option. Calvin Ridley may seem high here, and I just do have to point out that I was very high on Ridley heading into the season. So me moving Ridley down to like wide receiver 14 is probably different than someone who had him in this range heading into the season. They'd probably drop him more. So just want to, you know, put that out there. I'm still high on Ridley. I still think he can get right. Obviously, after week one, the production hasn't been great. I think week five here will be very telling. So if he goes out, balls out, I'll feel great about it. Um, He struggles again. 
then you probably got to think about moving them down. And then at wide receiver 15 and 16, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel back-to-back, both just studs when they're healthy. Both have put up some high-ceiling games to start off the season. So I like those guys in this tier as like high-end wide receiver twos. Now moving into tier three, we are going to have Metcalf, Puka Nakua, Garrett Wilson, and Amari Cooper. So a few different situations here. We have DK Metcalf leading that uh, Seahawks wide receiver room. I think it's you know kind of a plus for Metcalf that JSN hasn't been super involved. They're not running a ton of uh, three wide receiver sets. They really like running with two tight ends a lot of the time. So that's going to benefit Metcalf and Lockett because you're not going to have another talented wide receiver you know, taking volume from them. Puka is really a tough guy to rank with the uh, Cooper Cup injury because if Cooper Cup was just out of the picture, I mean, Puka would be a wide receiver one rest of season, but that is not the case. So I still think he can be a solid wide receiver too. I just don't know if we're going to see him continue to command the crazy volume we saw through the first four weeks. Garrett Wilson... Um, has honestly been impressive with Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson showing some hope in that game against the Chiefs has me kind of encouraged about Garrett Wilson moving forward. If they just let him sling it like they did in that uh, Sunday night game and he can look somewhat solid, that could be great for Garrett Wilson. I also like how they just are trying to get him the ball a ton. He commanded, I think it was 14 targets in that Sunday night game. I think he's in a nice spot here as a mid-tier wide receiver too. And then Amari Cooper, wide receiver one for uh, Deshaun Watson. His overall season numbers are a little down just because he had that one game with, um, I think it was Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback, which, you know, didn't go great for him. But other than that, he's been solid. The next tier is going to be tier four, and we're going to start it off with Michael Pittman. Had his first down game of the season in week four. I've talked about it a lot, how uh, specifically the two rookies, CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, both have looked really impressive. Both of their wide receiver ones are in this tier. So I like Pittman as a wide receiver two moving forward. Mike Evans, some people may think this is low. I'm currently dealing with an injury. We'll see if he's able to get back after the uh, week five bye. I'm still not totally sold that like he is the clear-cut wide receiver one and Chris Godwin is just locked into like wide receiver two territory. I know that's what we saw through uh, three weeks but I don't know if that's going to be something that carries on for the full 17-game season. But I do think at this point, we have to view Mike Evans as the uh, better option in that wide receiver room. But I don't know if it's like a crazy disparity between the two. Then Christian Watson. I've been very high on Watson. Um, First game back, super limited role, limited snaps. He should be locked back into like the wide receiver one work. Love has looked solid. Watson has a very, very high ceiling. T. Higgins down here as like a fringe wide receiver two heading into the season. Obviously had him as like a fringe wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. His current rib uh, fracture and then Joe Burrow's calf injury, those are obviously factors that are going to drop him here. Then we have Nico Collins, and I really could understand an argument for having Nico Collins higher. Um, I have him as like a fringe wide receiver two. He's looked super impressive through four weeks. Obviously, Stroud has been absolutely balling out. Um, O-line's also getting healthier, so Stroud may even be better moving forward, which is kind of hard to uh, you know even fathom, but I still like Collins here. Behind him, I have Tyler Lockett. Like I talked about with Metcalf, I think it's a plus for uh, Tyler Lockett that JSN is not getting super involved. We'll see if he increases his workload, but I mean, through four weeks, he hasn't really flashed anything that would make the Seahawks really want to get him out there more often. So I think Lockett's fine as like a high-end wide receiver three, probably like a weekly wide receiver two with bye weeks and injuries. Now moving into tier five, this tier is going to be led by Marquise Brown. 
I think he's kind of impressed so far. I was pretty high on him heading into the season. A lot of people thought he would just be completely cooked in this offense. He's been able to be a solid wide receiver three flex option um, without Kyler Murray even coming back. So he may have an even higher weekly ceiling once Kyler does return. But, you know, rolling with Joshua Dobbs here, he has looked impressive. DJ Moore, mid-tier wide receiver three. Fields has struggled early on, bounced back in week four. DJ Moore has still been a solid fantasy option, so I think this is a fair spot. Christian Kirk, some people may think he should be higher than this. He has been impressive, but we also have to remember that those were games where Zay Jones missed. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if they roll with Ridley and Christian Kirk in the two wide receiver sets with how impressive Christian Kirk has been, but week one when Zay Jones was healthy, they had Zay Jones in there in those two wide receiver sets. Uh, Christian Kirk's snaps were taking a hit, so we'll see, you know, how they uh, adjust moving forward once Zay Jones does return. And then the final guy in this tier, Jordan Addison. I think at this point, this may seem high, but we have to project that at some point, probably within the next few weeks, he is going to jump into those wide receiver two snaps. And when he does, I think he could be someone that you view as a top 24 option week to week. And then the final tier, tier six, it's going to be led by Deontay Johnson. I know he's currently on IR, but it seems like he is uh, gearing up for a week six return. I was very high on Deontay coming into the season. Even with the Steelers' offense being rough, I still think Deontay Johnson is going to be able to go in there, command a lot of volume like he does every single season, and I think he could be like a fringe wide receiver two rest of season once he does get back on the field. Then we have Chris Godwin. Like I talked about with Evans, I don't think he's like totally cooked. We saw when Evans left in week four, Chris Godwin finally had his first um, impressive game. We'll see if that uh, continues. Then we have Terry McLaurin, wide receiver one for the commanders, but not a passing attack I'm super encouraged by. You know, they do like to spread it around. He also has some competition with Jahan Dotson, with Curtis Samuel. I think back-end RB3 territory is fair. And then we're going to wrap it up with D-Hop um, and then Tank Dell. So for D-Hop, not a great start to the season. If he can get healthy, continue to operate as their wide receiver one, then I think he could be interesting. And then Tank Dell, this spot really could have gone to a lot of guys. You know, you got your Jerry Judys. Um, Drake London. There's a ton of different players I could have mentioned in these top 36. I went with Tank Dell, like taking a shot on a younger option paired with a quarterback who was overperformed to start off the season and looked impressive. If those two can continue to grow throughout the season, I think Tank Dell could be in a good spot to be a weekly wide receiver three flex option. So that's going to wrap it up for the top 36 wide receivers. Now pivoting over to the quarterback position, we're going to start it off with my four tier one quarterbacks. This is the same um, tier one from preseason, just the order has been switched up a little bit. So Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, I think I bumped up Lamar a spot, maybe dropped Patrick Mahomes one or two spots. All these guys are the top options. I just think Lamar has looked super impressive. He's looked great as a passer combined with that rushing upside. Patrick Mahomes struggled a little bit. Um, I think you know the lack of weapons is definitely clear there outside of Travis Kelsey. Still think he's a tier one fantasy quarterback. I would just take those other guys over him. Um, now looking at tier two, this is going to be Justin Herbert, Anthony Richardson, Tua, and Justin Fields. So Herbert, I believe he's the quarterback one right now in points per game. Losing Mike Williams, definitely a hit to this offense. Messing up his finger, not great, but not his throwing hand. I still think he's a nice uh, mid-tier QB one. Then we have Anthony Richardson, definitely one of the uh, bigger risers from preseason. He showcased that rushing upside. He's looked strong as a passer, really has insane arm talent. He can make some very impressive throws. I think he's a locked-in mid-tier QB1 rest of season. 
these quarterbacks that can use their legs, give you that rushing production, especially if you're in those uh, four point per passing touchdown leagues, the rushing touchdown gives you six. Those are the players that can really deliver those high-end QB1 seasons. Behind him, we have Tua. Obviously, doesn't have that uh, rushing upside that an Anthony Richardson does, but he's going to have a lot of passing volume paired with great weapons and a great head coach. And then Justin Fields. I did debate Fields being in Tier 2 or Tier 3. I think the bounce back in Week 4 was encouraging, plus the fact that, I mean, last season, right, once he got going, he was a high-end QB1, averaging like 25 points per game. The fact that that's in his, you know, in the gas tank there, I think he has to be here in those uh, tier two guys. So I think he does belong there. Tier three, it's just going to be Kirk Cousins and uh, Trevor Lawrence. I know Lawrence hasn't necessarily delivered the fantasy production, but he's been very impressive. He does have the weapons around him. Also a little bit of rushing upside, nothing crazy, but he can give you a little something in that department. Kirk Cousins, just a ton of passing volume paired with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison potentially taking over that wide receiver two spot. And then the final tier, it's just going to be a huge tier of tier four guys. Really just like pick your guy in this spot. Um, You could definitely argue some of these guys lower. You could argue some of them higher. I have this tier led by Deshaun Watson. He's had some decent games. He's had some not so great games. We'll see what he looks like rest of season. Uh, Brock Purdy, just paired with all these weapons. He's going to be a solid weekly play, really regardless of matchup. Then we have Geno Smith. Not a crazy start to the season. Um, Didn't have a great week four, but they were just blowing him out. So we didn't really have a ton of volume. Then at QB 14 and 15, we have two of like the overachieving options so far. So CJ Stroud and Jordan Love. I gave CJ Stroud the edge just because I think he has um, a better offensive crew coming in with that O-line getting healthy. He's been doing this without a healthy O-line. So I think he could take a bump. Um, and then Jordan Love, like I said, very impressive. He's someone that you could definitely think about starting week to week. And then I didn't really know how to rank Burrow here, right? Because heading into the season, I had him just behind Justin Herbert. So he was like a locked in mid-tier QB1, but he's in this weird spot where he's almost unplayable at this point with how immobile he is. But if he does get right, then he leaps up. I just think there's a lot of these other solid options that I had to put him below those guys. But like if you drafted Joe Burrow, I wouldn't necessarily be going out and just like cutting him for Jordan Love. I'd prefer to roster a second guy. So if you can go out there, you know, pick up a Jordan Love or a CJ Stroud, then I get it. But I wouldn't just be releasing him outright because if he can get it together, get healthy, potentially using the bye week, then he could be a nice option rest of season. And then Prescott and Jared Goff. Prescott, a little disappointing. I think he'll be fine as like a fringe QB1. Same thing with Jared Goff. And then some honorable mentions to uh, Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. I think there are arguments for both of those guys being in here also. And then probably a few other dudes on the outside looking in. And now the final set of positional rankings, we have the tight ends. No doubt, uh, tier one, Travis Kelsey, lock him in there. This is not going to be a pretty rankings list. There's not a ton of guys that you want to rely on week to week. Some of those guys you can rely on are going to be in tier two, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson. I think those guys are you know pretty much neck and neck in these rankings. If you prefer Hawkinson, don't hate it. I'd lean Andrews, but both are nice options. And then in tier three, this is going to be a three-man tier, and I debated having it be a two-man tier. It's going to be Sam Laporta, Evan Ingram, and George Kittle. Sam Laporta, as a rookie tight end, coming in here in year one, he has been ultra impressive through four weeks. And the fact that he's doing this so early on, he may end up getting better throughout the season. His role is great. His raw participation is fantastic. 
He's clearly relied upon in this Lions offense, so I do think he belongs here in Tier 3. Um, and then Evan Ingram, been a super consistent option. I don't believe he's gotten into the end zone yet, but his weekly volume has been solid, and he's going to sustain you, especially in your uh, PPR, half-point PPR leagues. And then I did end up keeping George Kittle in this tier, and I know George Kittle has been very rough through four weeks, but I do think we have to look at the bigger picture here. George Kittle has proven year after year that he is an incredibly talented tight end. I don't think we're in a situation where he's like completely fallen off. And then we look at this 49ers offense. It's not like this offense is struggling. Ayuk has gone out there with some massive games. Debo has gone out there with some massive games. George Kittle is going to get his in this offense. It could be here in week five. He could go out, have a monster performance, and I wouldn't be shocked. So the fact that he can give you that weekly ceiling, I do think he uh, should remain in this tier. And then tier four is going to be a one-man tier, and I don't feel great about it. I have Darren Waller, and he's been wildly disappointing to start off the season, but I think we do have to just look at some of the other options here and just project some ceiling. I think a lot of the other tight ends that you could be rolling with over Darren Waller rest of season, they're going to be like back-end tight end ones at best, or maybe in points per game, they'll be like mid-tier options, but they're not really going to be like league winners. They're not going to be weekly winners in your lineup. Obviously, Darren Waller has been rough, like I said. I still think he has the potential to possess that. He definitely doesn't look like he's, you know, prime Darren Waller at this point in his career, but I still think he can be the number one target for this team, which is why I have him in tier four. He does get bumped down, but I just think he has a little bit more upside than some of the other tight ends we're going to talk about in tier five. And tier five is just going to be a massive tier. So I'm just going to run through the names. Hunter Henry, Dallas Goddard, Jake Ferguson, Zach Ertz, Dalton Kincaid, David Njoku, Kyle Pitts, Tyler Higbee, Luke Musgrave, Cole Komet, and Pat Fryermuth. I could really see options for a lot of these guys being switched up. It's like you look down the rankings and you see like Kyle Pitts down at 14. You, you picture in your head like, oh, if uh, Taylor Heineke takes over, he probably jumps up. But then you're in a spot where, you know, Deshaun Watson looks good and Joku jumps up. You got Zach Ertz commanding a ton of volume. Jake Ferguson, if he expands his role, he'll be a great option. Luke Musgrave is a great usage. What if he starts getting involved? So there can be arguments for a lot of these guys to move up or down. This is just the way I have it at this point. But I don't think there's a ton separating a lot of these guys um, in this tier. So that's going to wrap it up for every single uh, position for my rest of season rankings. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Thank you all for stopping by. Um, stay tuned tomorrow. I'm going to be re-ranking the 2023 rookie class for my dynasty rankings. That should be a fun one just based on how wild this rookie class has kind of played out. So if you are interested in that, that'll be out tomorrow. Thank you all again, and I'll see you in the next one.